The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Tobin Addington. And I'm Isla Addington. And today, we'll be discussing Pitch Perfect 2 from 2015. Tobin, uh, yes. when did you first see this film? Uh, two nights ago. I was just going to say, this morning. <laughs> yes, this week. <laughs> what about you, Isla? I, I saw this one in the theater. Um... I saw the first. You and a lot of other people. A it turns lot out. of other people. Um, the, I saw the first two in the theater, and I don't know if it's truly interestingly, but interestingly, uh, I saw the first one uh, with your wife. Ah. Your wife uh, <laughs> yes. when she came to visit me in Kansas, and we had the choice of this, you know, silly acapella movie, uh-huh. or at the you know big cinema. Or at the independent little local place, the master. Oh, oh! I man. know, but here's what: like we just kind of, as the day went on, we were sort of yeah. kind of thinking about what we were in the mood for, yeah. and and so we went to that first one, and and we are not talking about that today. I have some particular issues with it. There are parts I really enjoy, and there are parts I really don't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then there was much more press and talk and excitement, I think, about the sequel. Yes. So I think that's a good one for us to land on. I think they're both movies that uh, depend a lot on your mood. Sure. You know, like one one is in the mood for these kinds of movies in, in ways that – and probably repeat viewings in a way. I mean, I think that that's, that's sort of uh, – that's understandable. I totally mm-hmm. get that. I totally get that. And of all of them, I would say this is the one with the, for me, the strongest soundtrack. Oh, you know, the, well, we'll get into it, but the songs okay. and the, I mean, that mm-hmm. there's, there, I think that's really working in this movie. Yeah. As I was watching it, I just thought, oh, wow, I used to drive around listening to the soundtrack a lot or um, jogging, listening to it or various things. So I, in right. any case, we'll talk about how they gave us more of what we wanted. But first... We've um, alluded to some money a little bit here, but uh, what are your what are your two bits of film history? So two bits of film history for Pitch Perfect Two. The first is that apparently the cast didn't hear Haley Steinfeld sing until her audition scene, so that their reactions in that scene are are sort of genuine to the moment, which is uh, you know kind of interesting. She had a she had a album out, didn't she? Didn't she? Then oh yeah, she's a- had a couple of arguably successful singles Hmm. i would say yeah okay well and when you and this is a new thing i'm so old uh that it's odd to me but as i look through people's imdb yeah like music videos or 
parody videos that they were in that got a mm. lot of clicks or things mm. come up as credits uh-huh. suddenly. So she has a handful of credits that are music videos or musical collaborations. Huh. But I've been noticing that of late. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess that's a, is a way to fill up the IMDb uh, IMDb page. Uh, oh, go ahead. I mean, I don't want to interrupt your two bits, but no, I I, I get the idea of we're gonna save her voice for an authentic reaction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think that audition was mind blowing. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Just, just making sure we're on the same page. I think she's got a, a fantastic voice. Please make no mistake. And I think part of the, you know, the both the tension and the triumph here is that she is uh, a songwriter. But yeah, to audition with a song that is half finished that you're not confident with, yeah, it just did not seem like the most well prepared audition moment. No, and th- there are m- much more interesting things about her character, I think, that yes. uh, than her s- singing ability as presented in the show. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, Second. The, the other bit. So the first Pitch Perfect made about $115 million worldwide, hmm. which and its budget was somewhere under 20. It was 17 or something like that. It was, a, it was a small budget and it made a brutal of money compared to that. And then the second one comes out and almost doubles it. No, Mm. more than doubles it. More than doubles it. It makes $287 million worldwide, like a genuine worldwide blockbuster. Uh, I mean, it's what a Marvel movie makes on opening weekend, but for a movie that's not a Marvel movie, I mean, it's huge. Um, And and its budget was just under 30 million. So we're still talking of, you know, multiplied by 10, you know, as a factor of 10. So um, that that leads me to two questions. Hmm. One, then, does that put Elizabeth Banks somewhere on a list of, like, most successful female directors? I'm sure. Just I'm sure. by the math piece, not not the dollar amount, like you say, you know. Uh, Return you know, on what, investment. Sure. Thank you. That's what yeah. I wanted. You have the words. <laughs> um, and then my second question is, uh, or as a wandering, I'd like you to weigh in on, do you, how do you think that international component mm. of having a European team mm. with, you know, European personalities then helps <laughs> some of the worldwide? I mean, I don't know. Is, was, is that a strategy or is that what they needed for this plot anyway and, and just maybe a byproduct? Right. Is it synergy or, yeah, I, I, you know, um, uh, the gross worldwide for the, well, we don't need to go into all the numbers. I, I, I imagine it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think it's convenient, you know, in the sequel, you want to go to a bigger stage, right? So Mm -hmm. let's, let's go to worlds and what kind of, you know, crazy hijinks does that open up for us? And then also, you know, oh, maybe the movie performed really well in Germany. And so they <laughs> put a German team sure. you know, against them. I, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it, the, the, the movie made $181 million, $181 million in the United States and 103 worldwide. So mm. it's, you know, it's, it's two thirds of its, of its gross came from overseas. I, I don't know. Mm. I wonder, I wonder. Thing. Just, you know, it's a things good to question, chew on. Iceland. Things to chew on like a caramel. <laughs> uh, speaking of 
I don't know what that. I got no segue. Successful uh, directors. Oh, well, yes, actually, which gets, brings me to the. So people have asked me when they've heard we were going to do Pitch Perfect 2, the question often came up, why? Why <laughs> do Pitch Perfect 2 instead of the other Pitch Perfect movies? I think particularly number one they're asking about. Sure. Do you want to tell us why? Oh, absolutely. Because this Pitch Perfect film was directed by none other than Elizabeth Banks. That's right. And who had produced the first one. She had she and her producing partner had made a series of movies or, you know, produced a few movies before Pitch Perfect, then produced Pitch Perfect. And then she steps up to direct the sequel. Uh, and we love know it. if anyone anyone who's listened to our uh, Hunger Games podcast know that we love uh, Elizabeth Banks. We do. And so we and given that she's got a movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has written or co-written and has directed Charlie's Angels, which comes out in November. Um, and so it felt timely. Absolutely. Just right in line. So speaking of Elizabeth Banks, Aislinn, could you please take us through the ladies in charge, women involved in major roles in Pitch Perfect 2? I would love to take a seat because this one is a, is a formidable list. So director Elizabeth Banks. Writer Kay Cannon. Producers, Elizabeth Banks and Kay Cannon. <laughs> and actors include Anna Kendrick, Rebel Wilson, Haley Steinfeld, Brittany Snow, Hannah May. Ooh, sorry. Hannah May Lee, Esther Dean, Alexis Knapp, Chrissy Fitt, Anna Camp, Katie Segal, and Brigitte Hort Sorensen. Well done. Well I apologies to all those fantastic <laughs> ladies if I if I messed it up, but uh, but yes, what a what a fun list! You know, I love a band of misfits. You do love a band of misfits. It's true. Okay, I think it's pretty well established, but just for the sake of um, continuity, Tobin, would you tell us what this film is about? I'll do my best. After a show goes horribly wrong, the Barden Bellas, our Aka Awesome heroes from the first film, are pulled from their tour and banned from all competitions except Worlds, which an American team has never won. In order to redeem themselves and leave college on a high note, the Bellas, joined by new member Emily, played by Haley Steinfeld, must find their voice as a team and come to terms with the end of their run. Only then can they beat their new German rivals and take the world by song. Oh, that's so cute. I like those <laughs> well, it's puns. A cute, it's a cute movie. I like those puns. It is a cute movie. So my first note of this cute movie is, as I was watching the opening scene, I then suddenly remembered how many sort of full performances are in this film. Yeah. And and I was then transported back to having seen it the first time and thought, I remember them giving us more of like the pieces that we really liked mm-hmm. in the first one, whether that served a good movie or not. You know what I, I mean? Yeah. I think that's yeah. often mm-hmm. a, a, a sequel because of just sheer popularity versus like, if we go back to a hunger games or something where there's more content to cover. Right. When there's just, okay, we finished that and everyone really liked it. So let's do another one. Like, you know, what are the Panda Express movies? <laughs> oh, uh, Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> <laughs> Brought 
to you by Panda Express. <laughs> or um, Ice Age or, you know, any of those things that are just now on like number 17. Um, I, I don't know. Sometimes there are great movies also, but sometimes mm-hmm. they're just the really more of the really fun bits. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt like this was more of the fun bits. And then my other overarching comment is that I love how in this movie, sorry, the dog just got up. up, um, You could simply lift out any of the boys' storylines. Yes. Yes. And put them aside. (laughs) Am I glad they were there? Sure. They were fine. But I just loved how they weren't at all necessary. And again, I don't know if that's good filmmaking, but I enjoyed how that played out. And they, apparently there were more storylines with the guys that got that did get lifted out of the movie. Oh, that okay. There was a, a deeper plot between Anna Kendrick and the guy she's with, <laughs> whose name yeah. I never catch. Uh, and that, that apparently there was more to that that got but again, we didn't, I didn't, we didn't it. need it. No, no because it no. was like you said in your synopsis, it was about as much as it was about their redemption as a group and whatever. It was about them learning to close the book on this chapter. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, which is I really think is smart. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Oh, gosh. Um, but that first scene <laughs> is a tough one for me. Yeah. Tell me. Uh, well, first of all, why were those the songs? If you listen to the lyrics, again, I'm an old lady and I am always shocked at the aggressively sexual pop music that's just around. Uh-huh. You know, I was walking through the student <laughs> union the other day yes. and a song came on and I was like, this is just playing over the loudspeakers. Is anyone listening? Granted, <laughs> I listen to lyrics more than... Well, you, I mean, I think we've had this conversation before. I, words in songs hit me more than. Yes. I, it's hard had? for me okay. to hear, to hear. I don't lyrics. hear lyrics for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're, you're lyric blind. <laughs> I, you know, I've got to sit down and like really concentrate or read along <laughs> and then yeah. I get them. Otherwise I'm just like, I, I'll be bopping to a thing that, and the lyrics can be something really terrible or whatever. I'm sure. no good. No good. So my first is why did they choose this medley to <laughs> sing to the president? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. That seemed yes. really inappropriate. <laughs> and then of course the, vagina as the butt of a joke is not something I enjoy. Um, uh, and exactly. the sort of yes, vaginal yes. panic, if yes, you will. Yes, yes, yes. And then I think you add on to that. There's some, um, lack, uh, there's a, there's a bodily something, yes. right? It's the fat yeah, girl's totally. vagina. Fat, fat, there's fat shaming in, in, involved in the gross out of this moment for sure. Um, however, the the news montage, I think, <laughs> because of where we are now, even just a few years later, mm-hmm. was enjoyable in that I could just see that would be what is happening. That mm-hmm. right? Are you know we're blaming you know the person who was uh, the victim of a you know an accident, a staging accident, for her personal choices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, you know, I mean, it just sort of and then and then all the ways to say it. And if you don't say it, but you're actually being cruder in the way you're describing, like all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. So like that part of it, I did chuckle a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But no, the um, it, yeah. it felt like the movie was like wanted us to react in horror and you know, like disgust. You know what I mean? Like the movie was was 
I don't know. There could, there could have been a way to handle it where there was some kind of wardrobe malfunction, malfunction thing or whatever, or some kind of big meltdown, some kind of what it, that would sort of bring them to their lowest point. But it, mm-hmm. it just felt like it was um, cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then again, on my strange little pop music high horse here, and I love terrible pop music, let's be clear. That's true. <laughs> but we go from <laughs> that to... You know, oh, Jesse, Jesse's the name of the boy. He says, I'm Jesse oh, okay. and this is acapella. And then they sing a blowjob song. Yeah. During yeah. orientation. Yeah. Which, again, I loved that album. Um, Who is that? You have uh, to fill me an in. an artist. Um, I'm going to say it wrong so Twitter can tell me. It's Mika, M-I-K-A. Um, and that, that, Never it, that was – That was a song <laughs> off of an album that came out in, gosh, or I was aware of in, in – 2006 uh-huh. i believe it wasn't the hit but it was um like a second or third single in any case mm-hmm. it's a you know at that time a 10 year old blowjob song right at orientation <laughs> like there's shame, some shame there's some those. like student affairs professional backstage that is livid and you know how many <laughs> meetings we'd have to have after that yeah seriously that's it's really true that's really true. Um, it's funny because this this gets to a thing that I so I don't love this movie. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna start with that. I don't love this movie, um, but there are things in this movie that I think and maybe this this touches on it. It feels like it part of it wants to be Wet Hot American Summer, and and the parts of it that are the best are sort of non sequitur, wacky stuff, or yes. you can't quite believe this is really happening stuff. And I feel like maybe the choice of that song where you go. Oh my God, you're singing that now and then singing that in this like style, you know what I mean? Like in this acapella style, the juxtaposition of that, of the sort of, you know, the, the, the more prim, uh, you know, uh, assumption stereotype that we have of acapella groups of, you know, like barbershop quartets or whatever gets like, you know, the nose rubbed in the gutter. And I think that there's something when the movie's trying to do that stuff, that feels like more where Elizabeth Banks wants to take her, her shtick is sure. her shtick's not the right word. That makes it that sounds derogative. Where she wants to take her style is to more of a anything could kind of happen. It's like craziness, you know. And and um, sometimes the movie feels a little bit at war with itself, trying to trying to complete a a, a traditional story arc, mm-hmm. while part of it wants to go to these places where you your jaw kind of drops at what's happening. Sure. And I, there, there are sometimes where I sort of, I admire that, and I wish there was a little more. I, it felt like she was maybe restrained a little bit by having to tell this more normal story. I don't know. Did well, you notice that at all? Yeah, well, yes, because what's frustrating about that to me is that that was my complaint about the first one. Oh, so interesting. You you had a story of a um, loner misfit would have you being forced, not forced, but sort of forced to go to college um, where her dad had some affiliation. So it was free. It sounded like um, who does is not a joiner is not a group person and kind of despite herself gets connected with this, you know, ragtag group of, <laughs> who had also fallen from prominence in that one too. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But then you had uh, a, hyperbolic vomiting issue uh-huh, uh-huh. that occurs twice when you see it in the video and then it happens in that room where it's just like a not a human amount of puke. Uh-huh, right. And then you had at a competition, like an all out 
like bar fight in the lobby of a high school or something. Like there were a couple of times where, and I felt like, and I said this to someone, um, <laughs> so if it was you, tweet at me. Um, <laughs> they either needed to do like two more things to yeah, really make right. this a heightened reality or right. take that shit out and just have it be this, you know, this, the conventional traditional sort right. of story, but having That's- it half heightened just makes it feel weird. Yeah, that you I just perfectly said. Exactly. So I'm I'm frustrated that they didn't solve that problem. Um, but it has the same writer. Right. And so perhaps they didn't see it as a problem. Yeah, and that the balance that balance is always going to be tough, I suppose. And you're making a studio comedy, you're not making, you know, a, an indie comedy. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I but but there were so while I agree with you that that is a shocking song to have to play <laughs> and wildly inappropriate for that moment, uh in the terms of the movie, I wish it had had more of that kind of thing in mm-hmm. it. Right. And I mean, then the next thing I've written down is the comment, judgy bitch, when she gets a a ransom style note from a um, Supreme Court member. I mean, yes, like you say, those wacky, but but the small wacky moments that I feel like work so well. Totally. Totally. It's when they get broad and wacky that that I have trouble. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I the, the, it's the, difficult for me because I do enjoy so mm-hmm. many of the pieces of this. Yeah, right. But as a whole, it's tough. Yeah, the the uh, you were we we talked I think maybe before we started recording about how good the musical sections are. Maybe mm-hmm. and and I really do think that's yes. I think that is a uh, not only sort of a. A step up into the from from the previous one. I mean, they get they get so much of that right, both in terms of the style and what how it's sort of moving the for the story forward and in, in terms of the choreography and the the way the cameras mm-hmm. you know move like you you as in the you know the 1930s and 40s when you went to go see a, a Fred and Ginger musical it the story didn't matter as much as what kind of dance and song are they going to do next how are they going to right. defy gravity and what like what are they going to do to sort of heighten the reality and show us what they, these, what they can do. And you know, these things that normal people can't do. And so I think mm-hmm. they achieved that really well in this movie. Agreed. I love it. And I think adding, um, so the, in the first one, the, um, troublemakers or the troublemakers, uh, <laughs> yes. were, which I, I love that too. Cause that sort of shows that in the world of our movie, acapella is hugely important. Right. Right. But in the world of this college, it's still like yes. no one really cares. Right. And I did love that. <laughs> um, but they were sort of the nemesis of the of the Bellas. Yes. Um, and I think having this new DOS sound machine, um, you know, foes is a really was a really strong move and then allowed for a whole other style, even within. Right. Um, you know, their story. And so I right. like that. Not to mention the Green Bay Packers who show up in. Oh, a, my gosh. A, which is. A, you know, they were all real excited about that. Apparently. I remember lots of interview discussion about it when it came out that I don't know who those people are no, me specifically. <laughs> I mean, football but players. One of them, I think likely the one, the like kind of main one yeah. was a big fan and had tweeted about it or something. And so then, you know, oh, wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be cute if they were in it? Um, I thought that I thought so it was that's, great. That's what I mean about those parts that are like 
so like non sequitur jokes. You go, oh my god, right. that's a bunch of Green Bay Packers right. that you know, like doing or acapella. like an an underground acapella party. <laughs> yes, competition. Yes, that's meaningless. Like, yeah, it's. I think if we try to make it, you know, a fantastic, you know, tight, succinct thing where we will fail. Yeah, but if we can appreciate the bits yeah. in it. I also, there's so many little, so David Cross being the host of the uh, underground party yes. is another contenders all-star. Oh dear. Right. He's, yeah. been in a, <laughs> he's been in a couple of the films that we've done. He has. Um, keeps showing up. And he does keep showing up, losing thanks, but then also the personalities, right? Um, Reggie Watts, who I love and have um, yes. gotten to see live a couple of times is in one of the other with, with John Hodgman. Yes. Um, and then and what's his Smith name? B's husband. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I think of him too. Yes, Samantha <laughs> B's husband. Yep, Mr. B. Mr. B. And then the the lead guy in Dust Sound Machine is um, a comedian named Flula Borg. Yes. That um, I know I showed you his videos you a while back, um, and he continues to be, I would say, a sort of absurdist comedian in some ways, um, or at least alt comedian. And so I, it's fun. It's just fun to watch, and then and then of course, uh, what's his name? Benji. Benji. Tony winning Benji. Oh, Ben Platt. Yes, Benjamin Platt, uh, the magician, <laughs> the awkward magician. <laughs> yes. That was you know I'm I'm assuming while filming his adorable but not necessary parts for this film was in the beginning workshops of Dear Evan Hansen. Right, right. must be. So yeah. there's just all kinds of. Of, you know, I don't know. It just seems like it would be a fun place it, to totally, be. Totally. And I think we've talked about before how sometimes when something is really fun or really funny on set, that's not as good. Right, right. 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 If you, if it's really funny, then will it play later? And, and maybe there's some of that involved too, that they were so having so much fun before we even got to it that not all of it translates. But I, I don't know. I do love the part where, Ben Platt is he it's it's a, they're at the party and he is asking Haley Steinfeld out and she's like it's the first day of school <laughs> like I just I just got here yes. you know which is a great like and then he I loved that. and then he's like okay and then he throws the smoke bomb thing and like ducks <laughs> down as though he's disappearing in a puff of smoke but of course he's still there at the end of the thing I mean <laughs> those as you're, you you said it so well those little character non sequitur moments work so well and um mm-hmm. and, and but that's a joke and, and you know I I think we should give this movie credit where it, it's due that those sort of the humor that it finds in this apart from that you know the the body shaming of that opening bit so often would be or, or traditionally like if you think about a um a john hughes movie you know who, like who's the butt of mm-hmm. those jokes and who and who's you know how does body humor play and you know oh my god they're boobs you know all this kind of stuff that, that sure. this movie's not doing that and uh and still finds humor in you know, like young people, you know, interactions. And I, I just think it, it does, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, especially in those moments when it can tie it to a little non sequitur character joke works really well. I, I realized I was remiss when I named my favorite cameos oh, okay. in it. Keegan Michael Key is in this movie. <laughs> He's good in this movie. He is great He's in this, this movie. movie being a, yeah. 
you know, jackass producer. And I love too that that he sort of called her out on her shtick, yeah. her mashup yeah. thing, yeah. because that was so important in the first mm-hmm. one. Um, and then if we think about the potential crossover audience to Glee and Pitch Perfects, that that's a, a, a um, convention that 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 franchise rested on a lot as mm-hmm. well. That um, to say, yeah, like that's a thing, but that's like one trick. What other tricks do you have in your bag? Um, right. But yes, no, I, <laughs> I mean, I'll watch him do anything though. You know that. <laughs> you will, you will. You know, the other cool thing that he, he has this moment where he finally, um, uh, Becca and Haley Stamp, Emily have collaborated Emily. on this, you know, uh, original, original song that, that Becca wants to be, uh, like a music producer. And so they produce this track and they bring the demo to him and he's like, Oh, I, I am like, I don't like other people being able to do what I can do, <laughs> but you do it. And, and like, it's a, it's a nice way to sort of stay true to his character and still give us the moment that we want in this movie where they succeed. Cause you want that. You, right. This is not a movie where it's, it's going to be all hard knocks and, you know, grit. So you, you want to see them, you want to see them come no, through. No true grit, Tobin. No <laughs> oh, true grit. But, um, um, yeah, very good. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, mom, uh, Haley Steinfeld, uh, was in True Grit, the Coen Brothers movie. So that's the and was Oscar nominated, right? Oscar nominated, I believe, right? Yeah, has to have been, or at least the the film. Yeah. Um. So you know, speaking of hijinks and thre- theatrics and all that, uh, it's there. I don't know. Trying to to beat DOS Sound Machine at their own game in quotes mm-hmm. that leads into another terrible performance <laughs> where we have. <laughs> Um, as we do throughout the film, uh, Elizabeth Banks and John Michael Higgins, Michael John Higgins, John I'm, Michael Higgins. I can never tell, but yes, yes. <laughs> um, saying something like, well, let's hope they're done with the theatrics and then there's like fireworks, <laughs> yes. um, which I bring up to go ahead. Well, and not just fireworks, one of them gets lit on fire. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> um, which I bring up to get us to the team building and like the heart kind of of the piece. But also if we're talking about things that play well or don't play well, um, those two characters, the commentators, mm-hmm. which were a, a smaller component of the first um, film. But as you can imagine, they're they're peppered in here more like <laughs> they they turned the seasoning up. Right. Right. Um, with them and then also like turned their ridiculousness up. Mm-hmm. And I have trouble. Let me say this. Okay. I am a fan of satire. Right? <laughs> I swear. I, am, I swear. <laughs> but when when it's only kind of one out of every five terrible things that he says that is truly countered then I have trouble with it. You know what I mean? Like we are, we are to understand that w- we all should roll our eyes at him mm-hmm. when he says like women in college, like that's an absurd thing to say, right. but I didn't feel like there was truly enough pushback uh-huh. from any of them mm-hmm. that, and he's not old enough for it to be like, like daughter and old man. Yeah. yeah. Which would not be okay either. But so I don't know. I think, I'm sure the first time I saw it, I laughed at him. Mm-hmm. 
But now looking at it again, just a few years later, I don't like the way that in the movie it's, it's kind of left to stand. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. Okay. I, no, I could. I, yeah. I see that. It's, it's the sort of thing that is the, the hard thing for me, even though what I want this movie to be is more in its wet, hot American summer style. Mm-hmm. It's, this is the sort of, sort of stuff that that does, which is just let that stuff lie. And you're responsible for saying, Oh my God, did like, <laughs> did he just say that? What a terrible thing to say, which gives the audience perhaps in some cases too much credit and, and right. you know That's like it counts saying, on yeah. us to know to know that what he's saying is you know like not just ridiculous but offensive and i mm-hmm. the movie but what's hard is that sometimes the movie does correct it right like sometimes yes. you, she'll give him a look like what is she, she does yeah but not and she but, she comments on his misogyny but what that means then is that the times when she doesn't when it, we don't cut to that the movie is then kind of saying well maybe this one's okay i mean Precisely. So it's sort of, again, it had to be kind of sort of maybe all or nothing, like choose a, mm-hmm. choose a direction to I go agree. here, you know? Yeah. I, and, and I, don't, yeah. I don't know, but I, I wonder if that's a little bit her in that it is fun. Like they are, they are playing with each other, mm-hmm. right? They have, yeah. they have found a game. They are playing the game. They're heightening the game, all that. And, and she's great at that. And she loves that. And so I think it's a little bit tough for that character and as the, like the director of the film to have it both ways mm-hmm. to say, I'm going to play this game, but then I'm also going to make sure that we're not really saying these. I don't know. Yeah, it just, yeah. it was, again, one of the things where it just is not, I don't know, tonally consistent or, but you know, we're we're here to pick it all apart. Yeah. I think um, also I understand that most of those things are improvised, that there there is scripting, but right. then they also are just kind of making it up as they go, which, you know, then it's it's gonna be a little looser. Like his job then is to keep pushing those things as far as they can go. And then they'll later mm-hmm. they'll they'll decide as they edit the movie which ones yes. to keep in, which ones right. not. Right. And he's amazing at that, right? right I mean he's right. he does a lot of those um you know what I'm talking about? Christopher Guest movies. Thank you. God, yeah. Unagi. <laughs> and that is that is their that is how those <laughs> that is how those films get made, right. if you will. Right. Um and so yeah, I'm sure he's a riot on set and I've liked him as outraged characters before. Mm-hmm. I just I just wish that they took a stronger stance and I don't remember where they land in the third one. I believe in the third one they are making a documentary about the Bellas. Oh. Who are then no longer the Barden Bellas because they've all graduated college. They are simply an independent musical group. Is everybody back for the third one? Like Anna Camp? Well, I'm thinking of mm-hmm. Haley Steinfeld because if she's a freshman, like how far in the future do we go with this thing? You know, I don't remember. I, I did watch it once. Um, she might still be in college. I don't remember. Hmm. I think she's there because she's a, you know, a name. In fact, she is there. I know she's there. But it allows us to get Anna Camp back because she she graduated and now is running a, a um, team building retreat facility. Right. Um. And I think that was a clever way to Mm -hmm. get her back. Mm -hmm. And she was able to play the same game she was playing in the first one, which was much more rigid and 
you know, second place is the yeah. first loser and, right, right. and all that. So I the feel like it was sergeant. A, a, yeah. Yeah, it was an appropriate dose of that. And like I said, I it gets to the the real heart of things, which is their um coming to terms with their identities shifting as as they, you know, grow up and, and move past this really important chapter. Right. Right. And that part of it, I liked. Yeah, I no, I agree. Yeah, they, they, like the movie makes a lot of uh, makes a lot of smart choices about how to bring back characters. And as you say, they, they're one. Of the, it's a, it's the best of, right? It's like let's amplify mm-hmm. the things that people liked about the first movie, which is not a like. Yes, in the sequelitis world we live in, that's maybe happens too much and feels more like fan service. But like that's what we wanted out of this. Like you don't want right. pitch perfect movies to not have this stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, like you, you wanted to have this. This is part of what we right. tune in for. Hey, and it got me a couple bars of mbop. So not going to complain true. about yes, that. Which is always a uh, always a highlight of you. my day. <laughs> um, yeah, I read. Yeah, that's, that's what I was say about that. Um. And then we get to the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of my notes, really, I, <laughs> I liked the the uh, couple of little bits that um, that Emily and Benji had when, like, again, as we said, those the the small moment hijinks when he's painting the bus. Mm-hmm. And he yes, says, we're gonna blow up Lincoln Center. <laughs> yes. So yes. dumb. Yes. Uh, and then when um, they are they're at the world competition. And the boys show up because they didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> yes. And uh, and she, they're talking and then she kisses him, but he was trying to do a magic trick when he pulled the scarf out of his nose. <laughs> yes. Come on. Yes. Yes. That's good. It's um, good. That's good stuff. You'll notice I fast forwarded right through any of the Fat Amy and Bumper stuff uh-huh. because I just don't care. And I... I never liked the bumper character. I think Adam Devine, you know, does things well. It's not him, but him as this self-important character, I had enough of in the first one. <laughs> yeah. And I just did. But again, we're, it's, we're sequel town. We're bringing all the all-stars back. His character is the type of person who would find an auxiliary component of campus to join, to stay. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. But I, I didn't need it. I don't, I don't care. I agree. I don't care. I agree. Oh, okay. So let me phrase it as a question okay. rather than tell you my response. <laughs> okay. Overall, you don't love this movie. I don't love this movie. It's, it's fine. However. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So that was the, the question. final, <laughs> <laughs> okay. the, the final, um, performance mm-hmm. was that at all emotionally evocative to you oh absolutely okay and for me i think it was largely set up n- not because i i mean i've seen the first one i think maybe twice and this is and, and probably only really watched it once um mm-hmm. and 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 then i've seen this one so it's not as much that i was you know i've been carrying these characters around for seven years or whatever the scene where they're at the retreat at night and they all begin to express like their plans for after school. And they, they're, they're, they're recognizing amongst themselves that they, that this will end, that they are at the end of a thing. Uh, that I think so nicely sets up where things go in the rest of the movie that that's, yeah, it had definitely had emotional payoff for me. How about you? Gotcha. 
Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but it surprised me because I've seen it several times oh. and I knew what was going to happen. I knew they were going to incorporate. And, and we don't have to get into the whole acapella. It doesn't do new music, whatever sort of weird rules they set up in this movie. Uh-huh. But they're going to do that. The flashlight song. Um, and I knew that the uh, previous generations were going to come back. Like I knew all that happened, but when the song started and it was just Anna Kendrick and then the camera pivoted mm-hmm. and Haley was right there, like my breath caught, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I was like, Oh, Oh. And sudden, I, I don't know. I don't think it had hit me like that before, but I was like, Ooh, this is, this has feelings. Yeah, um, yeah. And then of course it being called the flashlight song. <laughs> yes. Does lead me. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> to one of my favorite things that's ever happened in my life, okay. <laughs> which is you and I were playing a board game at our cabin on Flathead Lake as we do. As we do. I don't know. Not Well, it must have been after 10 because it was dark out. Mm-hmm. And um, our dear mother was in her bedroom um, where she uses a lamp to read by late into the evening. Mm-hmm. And we're playing our game. Everything's fine. And all of a sudden we hear, flashlight! (laughs) Flashlight! Yes, yes. (laughs) And you, dutiful as always, hop up and run out there. Say, what's going on? Well, (laughs) the lamp had burnt out, but she thought the power had gone out. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) She thought we were all in the dark and she needed a flashlight, but we were all fully illuminated. (laughs) Well, also, that would mean that I would be racing through the entirely darkened house looking for a flashlight. (laughs) Flashlight! Yes, I remember that. that. (sighs) Anyway, I love it. Um, I thought I had one more thing in the last one. Let me my notes. Oh, just also, I think, um, I liked the world, the way they set up the competition and that you could see these other acts, many of whom are famous mm-hmm. groups, mm-hmm. groups. And so I liked highlighting just even for a second, what's kind of already exists. Yeah. And I don't know. I liked it. I agree. Like and I, I've always had a soft spot for an acapella group. Not good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hit it, acapella. Being a. Do it, acapella. That's what is it? Do it, not hit it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well, I, I remember acapella at least. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, Tobin, do you want to play a game? Aka, absolutely. Oh, no. I can tell you there are no aka puns in my game. Oh damn! Well, they're they're going to be now. <laughs> That's true, but it it would just be better with two people. Um, you mean three? Sure, two contestants and one. <laughs> oh mark. yeah, I getcha. I getcha. Boy, um, if only we could do that. I know. I wish there was somebody else just hanging around. Let's let's see. Is there anybody else in the in the recording booth with us? Hello. Hey Whoa. Keith. Whoa. Tobin, this is Keith. Keith, this is Tobin. Hi, Hello. Keith. Um, Keith is a is a friend of mine, a former student, um, a, a well, I hope I can say a fan of the podcast. Yes. Um, and just an all around outstanding human. Thanks for oh, joining us. Uh, thank you. We like outstanding humans. <laughs> all right. Would you like to play an acapella related game? Yes. Okay. So, uh, Pitch Perfect Two. 
in particular, um, posited a world in which collegiate acapella had a lot of money behind it, (laughs) a lot of sound design, a real level of professionalism. And so it made me wonder, what what is the word world really like? So I have amassed a set of clips. Um, Some of them are collegiate acapella groups. Some of them are professional groups. Um, doing for the most part live performances and um, so I will ask you to tell me collegiate or profesh oh no wow I'm imagining the line between collegiate and professional acapella groups is actually vanishingly small but let's let's find out (laughs) well I mean yes especially with everyone being able to upload anything and sound design it but let's Let's see how we do. Okay. <laughs> um, now, my question to you all is, would you like me to assign? In fact, I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to assign um, each of you. So I'm, the first question is going to be for Keith. The second question is going to be for Tobin. Okay. See that? Um, and then in the case of a tie, I do have a bonus question. Okay. okay. Sounds great. So Keith, as our guest... You get the yep. first sound clip. I will play approximately 15 seconds of a clip or until I think the musical phrase is where we need it. And then I will ask you acapella or collegiate or profesh. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Collegiate or profesh? Um, I'm going to have to say collegiate. <laughs> Excellent work. One point. Yeah. Those are the so. Ooh, yep. Those were the SoCal vocals. <laughs> oh, you said there wouldn't be any puns. <laughs> well, oh. it's not my fault. It's just what it says here. I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, winners of the ICCA which I'm assume is something, something collegiate acapella <laughs> um, in 2018. All right. You're such Tob- a good detective. <laughs> Tobin, the next clip is for you. I'm ready. I'm ready. Collegiate or profesh? I'm going to say collegiate. Oh, I'm sorry, Tobin. Oh. That is the group Impact, all lowercase m dash p a c t, who I saw in Missoula, both at the Missoula Children's Theater and playing with the Missoula Symphony um, Holiday Pops concert. You saw them twice? I did. Tobin, I was a fan. This is a a new iteration of the group as this is their Earth, Wind, and Fire medley from 2019. And I saw them in the early aughts. So um, I don't recognize all the faces, but but I do recognize those those great tones. Okay. (laughs) The next one is for Keith. Here we go. I'm sorry if I seem preoccupied. I've been spending my 
What do you think? Collegiate or profesh? I think that is professional. If not, that's a really good collegiate singer. (laughs) Well, in that case, there's good news and there's bad news, Keith, because you are incorrect. That is collegiate. It is the Vassar Devils. But it is a winning set from 2016. And it does say here, check out these songs and many more on our album Coming Alive, now available on iTunes. Oh, now that feels like a, yeah, like half professional then. So I feel like I'm sure that I'm sure that that young man has has played a newsie and gotten paid for it. (laughs) So no points awarded, but but we're all glad we're here. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tobin. All right. Next is for you. What do you think, Khalid? Uh, professional, professional. I am so sorry. That is Uniting oh. Voices. Dang it. From um, UC Irvine with a 2019 ICEA audition video. They want you to know in the comments it was accepted. Ooh, nice. Um, so Ooh, congratulations. It. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Only one point so far. We're <laughs> being taken by the music um, here. Okay, let's, um, who's next? Keith is next? Keith is yeah. next. Okay. Um, this is, uh, Keith, your final question, but then Tobin has a final question after. Okay. Did I get an amen? Feels like the Holy Ghost running through you. When I play the highway, I find my soul revival. What do you think? Collegiate or profesh? That's hard. Um, I'm just going to go professional. You are correct. Acapella, that is a a, um, country acapella group called Home Free. Oh yeah, it loves to play in Missoula, Montana. I have seen them as well. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna see it in May. Are you going with Mama? Yeah, oh, I love it. Well, hopefully they'll do that one for you. <laughs> okay, Tobin, this one is for Pride. Oh um, boy, because this is your last question, and Keith has two points. So I think that ship sailed a long time ago, <laughs> but let's let's give it a try. So here it is. In the vision that was planted. What do you think? Collegiate or uh, profesh? Okay, I'm tempted to say profesh because that di- those dynamics are yeah. impressive. But then yeah. I'm thinking, are they overdoing the dynamics? So is this like... <laughs> 
collegiate trying to sound profesh, but I'm, I'm going to go with my gut and I'm going to say profesh. So when that is correct. <gasps> oh, thank goodness. Now, can either of you for a bonus point, tell me who is singing in that? Who, what is that group? Pentatonix. That's yeah. what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one I know. No, Straight No Chaser. I guess I know Straight No Chaser too. Uh, you, have, you have to put Pentatonix in there. Yeah. That is, yeah. That is fantastic. With a score of two to one, a close game. Keith, <laughs> you are our winner. Yay. <laughs> Bravo. Well done. Thank you. You could also say it that Keith has twice as many points as I do. You could say that as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Another way to say it. So, yeah. what I want to know is, I want to know what the stats are on profesh acapella groups that were college groups, because as with the bells, I wonder how many of them, or, or in Straight No Chaser, how many of them transition from a college acapella group that's particularly good to become a professional group. Mm-hmm. I think that's. But I assume you don't question. have those on your. I don't have those stats. I mean, if you <laughs> watched any of the singing bee style shows, I think when they put together the packages of folks, I think a lot of the groups were started through college and then mm-hmm. picked up additional group members. Right, I see. Along right. the way, um, that makes but sense. yeah, absolutely. That's where you. That's where you learn how to be a group. That's where you're really honing your craft and all that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you all so much. Um, well, uh, this is near the end of the podcast where we um, decide, is this progressive or regressive? Is this a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Tobin? I think this is definitely a step forward. We talked about the kinds of the, the way that the jokes are told um, and the fact that this is such a high grossing film compared to its budget for a female director uh, and really sort of and a first feature. This is her. This is Elizabeth Banks first feature film as a director. And I think um, that I'm really excited to see her Charlie's Angels and see where she goes from here. But, yes, I would say it's progressive. As What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think written and directed um, by awesome women. Uh, there were for sure things that I didn't appreciate um, that we talked about early on. I don't like the um, vaginal phobia, if you will, and the other um, body shaming aspects. But on the whole, this is a story about um, young women uh, triumphing and becoming successful and and moving forward in their lives. And I love that. And a band of misfits, too. Which you and a band of misfits. So all good um, from my perspective. Well, speaking of misfits, for our next episode, we are going to talk about the movie Late Night with Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson on October 29th. So come back on uh, at the end of October and uh, check out our next episode. Hope that's okay, Aslan. We didn't talk about that. At the okay. time. I, I, just, I just watched it like three days ago. So. Oh, you did? Okay. Because every like Joe Bolenbaugh is like, you have to. No, he didn't say you have to do this movie. But he's like, hey, you should do this yeah, movie. And then absolutely. like three other people said it. So, uh, and and since uh, Charlie's Angels doesn't come out for another month, right? I thought we uh, we could do this. Perfect. Aislinn, are you still on Twitter? Can people find you anywhere? I mean, barely. Um, but once I discovered how many cute dog oriented Twitter accounts there were, mm. I sort of started hanging out more. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's one called In Otter News, which is my favorite thing ever. <laughs> um, I am technically available at Sassy Nerd MT. You can't. I'm really not on Twitter anymore. 
I go, I don't have it on my phone anymore. Wow. <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed my August of not being on Twitter. Um, and so I have it on my computer and I've checked twice in the month of September in the first uh, two weeks Weird. of September. Weird. Uh... So uh, you can tweet me there and I might see you sometime around Halloween. <laughs> but you can find us on Twitter at contenders underscore pod or on Patreon at thecontenderspod.com. Special thanks to our members who've joined at the marquee level or above. Sean Flynn and Jeff Addington. Become a member today, connect with other listeners, and support our show. We here at The Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me, and you can keep tabs on all the Cage Club happenings on Twitter at cageclubpod. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Aislinn Addington. I am Tobin Addington, and we'll see you next time on The Contenders. Is it Katie Seagal? Is that how you say hers? Let me look. Let me see. uh, Or Seagal? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Okay. So this comes up a lot. Apparently it's a common search. Mm -hmm. I guess I could have just searched it. Sorry. I thought maybe you were more familiar with her. Katie Seagal. That's not right. That can't be right. Here we go. They're announcing a Golden Globe for it. Then they'll, maybe they'll say it right as there. As a high-powered lawyer with a complicated personal life, Juliana Marlowe. No, nope, that's not her. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So it's pronounced. We have to keep peace between our boys, Katie Seagal, sons of Seagal. Seagal. Okay, I can like do that. Steven. Yeah, that's what I. That's was my instinct, but then also, yeah. But no. He spells it with an E, I think, doesn't he? That was that. Yes, indeed. Mm. Indeed. Okay. Indeed.